Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to True Murder, the most shocking killers in true crime history and the authors that have written about them. Gacy, Bundy, Dahmer, The Night Stalker, BTK. Every week, another fascinating author talking about the most shocking and infamous killers in true crime history. True Murder, with your host, journalist and author, Dan Zupanski. Good evening, this is your host, Dan Zupanski, for the program True Murder, the most shocking killers in true crime history, and the authors have written about them. On January 10, 2013, Kendrick Johnson's parents reported their 17-year-old son missing. The next day at Kendrick's school, Lounged High School in Valdosta, Georgia, in the gym, students saw what they thought was a pair of socks sticking out of a gym mat, but when they approached, They told investigators they realized it was a body. According to Lounsd County Sheriff Chris Prine, Kendrick Johnson died while reaching into an upright gym mat in the old gym on January 10th, trying to retrieve a sneaker that had fallen inside. Instead, Kendrick fell in, couldn't get out, and smothered to death from positional asphyxiation. The original autopsy report ruled Johnson's death an accident. Uh, stating that the teen suffocated while getting stuck in a gym mat while reaching for a sneaker. However, Johnson's parents weren't convinced it was an accident, and they got a court order to have their son's body exhumed. A second autopsy report showed the teen's death was not an accident, stating that Johnson had sustained non-accidental blunt force trauma. During an autopsy, eternal organs are removed and examined before return for burial. But when the private pathologist who conducted the second autopsy on Johnson opened up the teen's remains, the brain, heart, lungs, liver, and other viscera were missing. Every organ from the pelvis to the skull was gone and had been replaced with newspaper. Federal prosecutor now Michael Moore is reopening the case. The the case that we are featuring this evening, the story that we are talking about, is the Kendrick Johnson murder with my special guests Fred Rosen and Bo Webster. Welcome uh, back to the program, gentlemen, Fred Rosen and Bo Webster. My pleasure, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you much. for having us, Dan. Well, thank you. This is an incredible story, and I'm glad to be involved in any uh, way, shape, or form. Uh, as I had thought when I first was uh, notified of this story with from Fred Rosen, uh, this is an incredible case that's now, I think, I really do believe it's, it's gaining the national attention that it so uh, really does deserve. So let's get to uh, a question I think that w- is important to this. Uh, maybe we start off with you first, Bo uh, Webster. Tell us what your background is and how you came to be involved with this particular case, the Kendrick Johnson uh, case. Well, um, my name is Bo Webster. I'm a private investigator in Florida, and uh, I uh, my name of firm is Webster's Investigative Services out of uh, Tallahassee, Florida. And back um, the first part of February, uh, I was um, called by uh, the family attorney uh, to come to Valdosta and look at the case uh, to see if I was interested in uh, maybe pursuing the investigation. Uh, My background is uh, law enforcement uh, in South Florida and the Fort Lauderdale area for years, and uh, I've had my private investigators license and agency for the past eight years uh, where we do all types of investigative work, uh, a lot of high-profile 
criminal cases uh, along with uh, large murder cases. I um, I went to Valdosta and uh, actually met the uh, attorney representing the family and uh, met Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Johnson at that time and uh, came on board as a investigator to try to determine what exactly happened to their 17-year-old son, uh, Kendrick Johnson. Okay, the same question for you, uh, Fred. Uh, Not everyone knows uh, your reputation as an author, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your background and, uh, and how you came to be involved with this case and why. Well, I'm a true crime uh, author. Uh, I've been a true crime author for about the last 20 years. Um, actually, prior to that, I was a uh, columnist for the Arts and Leisure section of the New York Times. Um, and um, I, um, I worked on a, a number of murder cases over the years, probably 20-some-odd throughout the United States. And I met Bo Webster, um, the gentleman from Tallahassee, uh, in a courtroom. Uh, In 2011, February, uh, during the trial of Gary Hilton, I was working on a book called Trails of Death, which was about Hilton, who was a serial killer, and he killed people in in three three different states. And Bo and I sort of hit it off, and we we continued to talk uh, to each other. And sometime around, oh, I'd say April of this year, Bo called and told me about this young man who had been discovered in the old gym at this high school in Valdosta. I didn't even know where Valdosta was, Dan. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more familiar with just going down the, the I-95 corridor on the east coast of the United States, you know, and just going, you know, through the, you know, the coastal area. And uh, Bo told me that he this boy had been discovered rolled up in a gym mat dead. And I took one look at the photograph which looked like his face had been at the time we thought that the he'd been the face had been beaten in. We since discovered it, there was other da- damage as a result of, uh, of of what had occurred. But in any case, it it didn't make much sense to me. And quite frankly, um, you know, I, I I have a child, and um, as as do most of the people working on this case. And as soon as I I realized, you know, that. The, the, the parents at that point didn't have any other resources as far as anybody to investigate for them, with exception, of course, Mr. Webster. I said, I, I'm in, you know. And then what I did was um, I got someone else involved uh, who I work with, and uh, and I started investigating and um, working with Bo. And I I was uh, I went down to Georgia uh, back in June. Bo and I. Uh, then went to see uh, one of the um, people involved in the case, who was a paramedic, who was the first on the scene, and that's when I knew that uh, this thing was pretty serious because that paramedic, when Bo tried to talk to him, was extremely scared. I've never seen an individual as scared as this guy was, and I knew something was up, and so I just stayed on it with Bo. Tell us a little bit more about that conversation with the paramedic, please. Um, me? <laughs> me or Bo? <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you. Whoever's uh, best suited. <laughs> well, basically what happened was we went out to talk to this paramedic who Bo had identified uh, through his investigation as the first individual in the scene, and he had some other information. And he just want, it was just basically going to be a basic, you know, what did you see, et cetera, et cetera. And he came out of his house, and I, 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 um, I actually I, I, I just wrote about this uh, for something. And he came out of his house. He was holding his son. And um, when Bo explained that he was there to talk about Kendrick Johnson, this guy's this guy froze. I mean, he got and his voice got. It was very. His voice trembled. And he was scared, and uh, he wouldn't talk to us. He was very polite. He just said, you know, go, go talk to the uh, the hospital that I work for or something to the, of that nature. He went back in his house, closed the door, and Bo turned to me and said, Fred, these people are scared. And I, you know, I sort of looked around me, and uh, 
<laughs> you know, I was a bit paranoid at that moment, to be honest with you, Dan. And uh, it, 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 that's exactly the way that I felt the entire time I was in Valdosta, which is like somebody was watching me. And uh, I'm, I'm convinced now that there are individuals there that were keeping track of, of us. And uh, I don't think we're being paranoid about it uh, because we're out to get to the truth. And there are people who don't want the truth to be out. Now, for all those uh, in the audience that don't know about this case as of yet, because we have a pretty significant international audience, maybe we can, maybe one of you can go through the official uh, story as it unfolded in terms of what what the uh, again what what characters said what and when, and what exactly did they uh, impart to the public. So we're talking about the sheriff, and we're talking about the uh, Georgia Bureau of Investigation. So maybe, Fred, you can tell us uh, what, or or Bo, what exactly uh, was the report in the beginning. Uh, Again, Bo, you knew about this story first, so maybe you can tell us about what you first knew and what was the official line and who were the players, the characters, that were imparting this information to the media. Well, when I uh, when I started the um, investigation, uh, naturally, uh, you know the uh, the victim, uh, Kendra Johnson, 17 year old uh, black male student, was um, he went missing January 10th uh, from his third or fourth block, which would be somewhere between 1:30 p.m. and 3 o'clock on Thursday afternoon, which would be the 10th of uh, January. And um, he was last seen uh, in the hallway of the school and uh, entering the gymnasium, which is the secondary gymnasium, because they have uh, have a a newer, uh, large facility that they play most of their their basketball games and any any other kind of activities are in the, uh, the newer complex. So this is called like a secondary gym, and um, there's uh, there's surveillance cameras uh, in the gymnasium as well as uh, you know the surroundings of uh, of the school, and uh, he never reported to his uh, third or fourth block, so he was missing, and uh, he went that evening. Uh, Missing, never came home, which was very unusual for him. Uh, according to the parents, uh, they would always have contact with Kendrick, and he would call if he was running late and uh, let them know that maybe he was staying after for a basketball game or you know some other activity at school. And uh, he didn't show up at home later that night, and uh, the parents uh, were concerned naturally. And uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, it's still a uh, school night. And he's still missing and no word from Kendrick. And uh, so then there was a uh, missing report made the next morning. And uh, Kendrick's body was found uh, around 9.30, between 9.30 and 10 o'clock on Friday morning. Uh, by students and by uh, the faculty members of the high school. And uh, that's when um, it's just it's the strangest case that I think I've ever worked uh, in investigation or in law enforcement where um, there's just so much uh, so much evidence that uh, was never collected and gathered, and uh, the sheriff's department naturally was notified immediately that there was a body found in the gym, and that the body was found vertically uh, wrapped up inside of a uh, wrestling mat, and that's what alarmed everyone. And all of a sudden, the sheriff's department becomes involved in in an investigation. And Georgia Bureau of Investigation was notified to respond as well. And generally, the coroner is um, is notified immediately uh, when there's a death or a uh, or a victim in a in a crime. 
and the coroner was not notified until later on in the day, which was maybe around between 4 and 4.30 in the afternoon, uh, which is uh, very odd. And, and, and the cor- I, go, go ahead. Well, if I may add, what happens in terms of the players um, is this. Within um, hours... Uh, Bo, Bo has, you know, summarized it, of course, extremely well. Uh, but within hours, the family is told by Stride Jones, who's one of the investigators working for uh, Sheriff Chris Pine, that there is no evidence of foul play, and which is a very strange thing to say when you're just starting an investigation. At least that's that's my personal opinion on this. I've, I've never heard of anything like this, and I concur with Bo that this is the strangest case that I've certainly ever worked. And then um, um, within maybe 48 hours, with with only the the preliminary autopsy results in, not the completed autopsy results, Sheriff Chris Prime tells the media that uh, Kendrick died by reaching into this mat. And it's a huge mat. It's like it's at least six feet tall. And uh, he reached in, he lost his balance, he fell in, he couldn't get out, he, and he, he was in such a position that uh, he couldn't breathe, and he died. And that's it. End of story. And uh, at the same time, Wes Taylor, who is the superintendent of the school district, sends out a press release uh, saying, oh, this is an awful thing. Uh, we, you know, we, we hope that the family will, will get over this. You know, now it's time to mourn, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like everybody just wanted to sort of like push it aside and wipe it away, except we got one little problem, Dan, okay, Uh, which is that the clothing that Kendrick is wearing disappears. His, uh, the mat disappears. As you pointed out, uh, by the time the, the body is presented to Dr. Anderson, Dr. William Anderson in, in Orlando for the second autopsy, the organs have disappeared. And to date, the surveillance video has disappeared. So uh, what do you make of all of that? That's, you know, what do you make of all of that? And at the same time, the most important element I think of this is this. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation does the autopsy, the results don't come out until May the 2nd, and they claim, again, positional asphyxia, except there's one little problem. Positional asphyxia would mean that the boy's lungs would have filled with fluid as a result of suffocation. His lungs, in the report, weighed the normal amount, which means he didn't die from positional asphyxia. That is a key to understanding this whole thing. And even though this doctor comes out with this report, the GBI refuses to take a look at it. They refuse to review uh, what the doctor has done or their own findings, and so does the sheriff. And they just want to close the whole thing down and say, hey, you know, he just fell in. Oh, and I might add one other thing. We have a... uh, an email from a, from a GBI executive in which this individual says, oh, he wasn't reaching for a shoe, he was reaching for a book. They can't even get their story straight, which is what I wrote in, in ebony.com where I've been reporting on this. They, they can't get their stories straight, Dan. It's, 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 in some ways it is mind-boggling, but they can get away with it because the dealing with the authorities – in Georgia, and you know I'm pretty straightforward in, in some of the th- in what I say. It's right. like walking into the 19th century. Okay, people, people in the most the thing that I really need to emphasize is this: if you're African American and you're in Georgia, you're a se- in most places you're a second class citizen, and especially in a place like Valdosta, you're a second class citizen, even though this is the 21st century, and people are scared. People are scared, and um, they're scared of the cops, and um, they're scared of talking 
And, of course, that makes our job that much tougher. And now I'll just shut up and let Bo talk for the rest of the show. <laughs> no. Uh, what I found interesting the, is um, that this is Bo. Uh, the inside, the core of that mat, uh, the mat is about six foot or a little taller than that, but uh, the inside core of that mat is around uh, 14 inches uh, in diameter. And uh, Kendrick's shoulders from tip to tip were 19 or a little over 19 inches. I tried myself. Uh, the father, Kenneth, tried. Uh, we both made attempts to try to get our bodies inside of the core of that mat, and we were unsuccessful. We were not able to do it. Um, so that alone tells you that, I mean, there's just no way that uh, he could conceivably just uh, push himself down or uh, jump into the inside of that mat and die of asphyxiation uh, to retrieve uh, what is said to be either tennis shoes or a book. Uh, there, there, are, uh, there are two different stories to that. And, uh, he, you know, he was a, uh, a triathlete, uh, so he was in great mm-hmm. shape. Uh, according to his dad, he was... Uh, very strong and able to take care of himself. So even if he was inside of a mat, he would have been able to knock the mat down and and get out of the mat. But um, it just doesn't make any sense. And uh, probably a couple months after I started the investigation, well, immediately after I started the investigation, I started asking for uh, the surveillance tapes, uh, which was never to this moment has never been uh, given to me, uh, and I think the family uh, maybe just got some of these surveillance tapes in the last uh, couple few weeks. But um, I asked to go into the secondary gym where the body was found uh, weeks after I began this investigation, and uh, the family attorney and Mr. and Mrs. Johnson and myself went to the gym so that we could go inside of the secondary gym, take photographs, take measurements, look to see where all the uh, surveillance cameras are placed uh, to get a good idea of, you know, what the inside of that gym looks like. And we were told at the front door of the administration office that your investigator is not welcome here today. And, I mean, it really floored me and alarmed me that, uh, you know, what's going on here? Why can't we go into the gym? And I was turned away, and I was told that uh, expect a call within a week that I could return and then go back into the gym. And that call was never made. And back uh, probably two weeks after school broke for summer session, for summer break, that's when I uh, had received notice that um, we could go into the gym and uh, take a look at everything, take our measurements, take photographs uh, into the secondary gym at that time, which was months after the fact. And it's, I mean, it's just very frustrating to me, and I know how frustrating it is to that family to, uh, you know, to have to go through this, they were allowed to go in the gym that day. But um, I mean, by that time, uh, there, there's no no evidence whatsoever, probably, to gather and all the information and all the evidence that we've asked for in all these months. Uh, what is it, nine or ten? Actually, ten months now. Uh, all the evidence uh, is not available. It's either been destroyed or it's been. Uh, held somewhere, but uh, I have not seen any of the evidence, the mat, the clothing, um, anything that would pertain to, uh, you know, to uh, Kendrick's body or any type of DNA that might uh, have been gathered. Now, you talk about the family, but the family has been, has been adamant and, and, uh, and, dedicated to this cause so once they got the official explanation from authorities they uh, staged daily protests at the courthouse Um, they were instrumental in they've now hired or attracted uh, attorney Benjamin Crump and as a result they were uh, 
successful in court getting a, to be able to exhume their son's body for a second autopsy. So, Fred, tell us about that endeavor, that uh, initiative to do that, and what has resulted from that second autopsy report. Sure. Let me, let me just add one thing, that as far as Ben Crump is concerned, uh, Bo is being modest. Uh, ben Crump was hired at Bo's recommendation, because Bo knows Mr. Crump from, uh, from Tallahassee. So he recommended that to the attorney who was representing the, uh, the family, and that's how, how he came on board relatively recently. Now, what happened in terms of the, uh, of the second autopsy is that the family uh, petitioned to, um, to disinter the body for a second autopsy. Uh, they were, the petition was granted, uh, and what makes that interesting is that the petition was granted on May the 1st, and that made headlines. Um, at that point, there, were very little, there was very little in the way of publicity. Uh, the following day on May 2nd, the, uh, the authorities stole the headlines back. That's when they released the results of the first autopsy where they claimed it was positional asphyxiation. Uh, about six weeks later, in the middle of June, and, and Bo can comment more on this because he was there, uh, Kendrick's body was disinterred, you know, the vault, placed on a flatbed truck, taken to um, Orlando, Florida, where Dr. William Anderson performed the second autopsy. When he body was presented to Dr. Anderson, he, op- he, he, you know, he opened up the, the body. That's when he discovered the organs were missing. But he did something that the first autopsy uh, that had not been done at the first autopsy, and that was he dissected Kendrick's neck, and he discovered a severe hemorrhage, and in his opinion, the boy died from one blow to the neck, which caused his heart to stop. That is his opinion. And, again, what makes this interesting is that that is... that. second autopsy, the results are widely accepted within the African-American community, though within the, the white community, not so, not so much. So you have, you, you have this, this, this uh, dichotomy going on, and, in, in you ha- and so it, which makes it very, very difficult to, um, to get to the truth, because for every step forward that we make in the investigation, Somebody else will come back and say, you know, with some sort of um, explanation uh, that uh, that that the the second autopsy doesn't have any valid re- results for whatever reason. People have actually gone after Dr. Anderson, his reputation, uh, in order to discredit the results of the autopsy. But it was that autopsy that really we were waiting for. The results came in in September. And by that time, the, 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 uh, the U.S. attorney, uh, Michael J. Moore, for the Middle District of Georgia, had received the report from the attorney representing the family, and he'd already started to review the materials. And, and uh, I kid I around with Mr. Moore when I get him on the phone. Bo's actually met him a couple of times. I've only talked to him on the phone, but when I talk to him, I go, are you the only federal federal official who's earning his money? And he laughs. And he's a real regular guy, and he is mm-hmm. he is really concerned with getting to the truth. And uh, and so that second autopsy is really what started to propel things forward and begin to gather some steam, as you pointed out, regarding uh, getting attention. Right. Um, yep. I'm sorry. The other, the no, other, uh, the other thing that's so, uh, I guess, mind-boggling and confusing, Dan, on this is that um, there, uh, you know, when the funeral uh, arrangements were made for uh, Kendrick, uh, there were no. Uh, he he was heavily involved and very active in uh, in all the sports programs, football, basketball. Uh, at the high school, and uh, when he was buried, uh, there were no no teams or no players uh, at his funeral, which is very odd. Uh, I mean, it's it's just hard to understand. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, 
when I was out doing the uh, preliminary investigation and pounding the street every day talking to, uh, you know, witnesses and people that might be able to shed some light on uh, and, and give any type of information that might be helpful, uh, I would talk to faculty members and uh, students, and the faculty members uh, just said that they could not talk. They they are forbidden to talk to uh, anyone pertaining to the investigation, and that I would have to go through their subordinates, uh, their uh, you know because they would uh, they would stand a chance at uh, losing their jobs, losing their retirement. So. Uh, you know, when you've got people that probably know something and you can't talk to them because they're scared and they've been threatened, then, um, you know, it, it's hard to conduct an investigation like that. Um, I mean, they've even had uh, they've even had faculty members, I guess, leave the school for whatever reason. Um, but it, it's, uh, it's a sad thing because uh, this family is just having to relive this uh, for 10 months, really 11 months now, and uh, with um, uh, Mr. Michael Moore, the uh, U.S. attorney, uh, coming on board here uh, last week when he announced that now the uh, Department of Justice is on board and looking into it, uh, that has been just a, a big, big help in this case. And uh, he's just a, a, a great guy that, uh, you know, is looking for justice. And I have met with him on two different occasions and uh, had meetings with he and his staff to present, uh, all, you know, all the evidence uh, pertaining to this case. And now they can go ahead and move forward, and uh, hopefully uh, there's justice right around the corner. Well, you know, I've been reading a lot of stuff online in the last little while. Like I say, this story is really gaining a lot of steam. CNN, CBS, there's, uh, and like I mentioned to you, 4,000 comments uh, just after one article. So, But the thing is, is that what they're saying in some of these articles is that there have been some suspects from the high school itself and another suspect from another school and well, I wanted to mention this too is that even Michael Moore has said that he has he's warning his jurisdiction is limited as a federal prosecutor, but he said after lengthy review of evidence collected by authorities and the family's own investigation um, investigator that sufficient basis exists to warrant a formal review of the facts now for us folks that aren't so familiar with these kinds of things, tell us what exactly can potentially happen from this what would be the likely outcome if he does this review and again is a review a reopening of the case or what exactly is the review and what can the review actually lead to can i can i uh, take that one certainly sure oh, okay first when michael uses that and i i call i'm sorry i call him michael but it's just the way it is. You know, when you talk, like I said, when you talk to this guy, he's, he's, he's a regular guy. And when, when he, uh, what he's actually done is opened an official investigation. Okay. And it's a federal investigation okay. versus a county or state investigation. And what he can do is he can do one of three things. Uh, well, he can charge uh, basically in three different areas. One a civil rights violation. That is, Kendrick Johnson lost his life because he was African-American and essentially this is a hate crime. That's number one. Uh, and number two, uh, he can prosecute for if there is corruption uh, on the part of state county agencies, he can bring some sort, he can bring a criminal action against them for this. So if he finds out that, as we suspect, that you have a conspiracy where you have county and state conspiring to obliterate the truth, just like they've obliterated the evidence, he can take action and prosecute in federal court. Now, the third thing he can do is he can use what is known as the RICO statutes in the states, which originally were designed to prosecute the, the mob or the mafia. 
but have been right. used su- successfully to prosecute when you have a conspiracy, it, exactly what we're talking about here, where you have a number of different agencies that get together and conspire to conceal the truth. And those agencies can be anything from uh, police agencies, uh, it, could be, it could be school agencies, it could be whatever it might be, but he follows that evidence. On the other hand, and so we get into, it's, it's, it's very historic, you know, I look, it's, it's historical really, because it, he, he has to make a decision about who has venue. Is it the state? Is it the federal government? And he's got to go on the basis of what the evidence is. And a lot of the evidence that he is looking at is the evidence that Bo has gathered, including identifying suspects. So what's happened as we speak is that Mr. Moore has gotten agents from the Federal Bureau of Investigation to come down to Macon, who he's met with, and then they were dispatched to Valdosta to begin their investigation and interviewing interested parties. And then he'll take all of that information into account and make a decision about what he's going to do. How'd I do? <laughs> yep, that's, uh, that's exactly right. Now, the question I have is, is that the second autopsy, you said, has been a challenge to a certain degree by some, some members of the community, obviously the police and the people that did the first autopsy, saying that uh, the death was, can be attributed to the blunt force trauma and then the heart attack or the, the heart stopping. Uh, wouldn't it be prudent, I guess, to have their own investigator do their own autopsy, or is that, is that uh, in the realm of possibility? Tell, me about, uh, tell our audience about that. Uh, you want to take that one, Bo? Well, I mean, it's uh, the uh, second autopsy. I mean, we're talking about uh, the second autopsy being performed because, um, uh, you know, the body was transported to Orlando, and that's where Dr. Anderson uh, performed the second autopsy. And uh, and his conclusion was that, you know, there was trauma to the body and uh, trauma to the right side of the neck and right side of the jaw. But um, there's uh, – you've got uh, – you know, GBI and uh, the local law enforcement agencies that, I guess, um, you know, are, are connected with that uh, first autopsy uh, being in uh, Macon, Georgia. And that's where, you know, the conflict's been, and that's where uh, the first au- initial autopsy, first autopsy comes back that there was uh, – you know, natural causes as, as asphyxiation, and we all knew that that was not the case. Um, I don't know if uh, there's anything you want to add to that uh, or not, but um, the uh, well, I'm asking, I'm asking what if that second autopsy is mm-hmm. is challenged at all, then. Uh, would it make sense to have another autopsy done, or is, is yeah. there even any ability yeah. in terms of, I don't really know how the protocol for this, but well, wouldn't that be ask, a good start? Well, sure, well, because well, you're, using, well, you're using logic. And, and you, and you're, and, but, you, but see, it isn't that the first autopsy was challenged. The first, I mean, I'm sorry, it wasn't that the second autopsy was challenged by the authorities. They didn't. They never challenged it. They just said we're not going to look at it. They dismissed it. They never Correct. looked at it. And and that and they're they're not being uh, as as Dr. Anderson said. How do you call yourself a scientist when you're not open? And the answer is, I'm sorry, you're not a scientist. If if that's you know if this is the way you're going to act. Now in terms of doing a third autopsy. Uh, Sure. I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying. I don't know how practical uh, that would be, but uh-huh. that's not. But it's irrelevant, quite frankly, because it's not going to happen. The state no, is it's... not interested in doing this. They are. Con- they, they're saying, "Hey, this is it." Okay, and members, significant members of the of the white community, are backing up the state. So 
it, 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 you know, a third autopsy, you know, to get a third opinion. I don't, I don't, you know, what do you think, Bo? I don't think that's going to happen. I don't, I don't see that happening. I'd, I'd really be surprised if it does, but uh, I don't see that happening at all. I, I think they've, uh, I think everyone knew from the first autopsy that that was not the case, and uh, the second autopsy re- would reveal exactly what uh, everyone uh, thought would would happen in the results, and that was that there was trauma to the body. And uh, so, no, I, I can't see uh, a third autopsy. Uh, I mean, that would naturally be left up to uh, now. It would be left up to the government and to Mr. Moore if, if they if he called for a, a third uh, autopsy. But I just don't see that happening. And um, it... Um, you know we we've done uh, we've done so much legwork on this case and uh, so much paperwork and so much paper trail. Uh, I mean we've got uh, I've got my paralegal that uh, does a lot of great work for me, uh, Matt Mingus uh, with Stephen R. Andrews Law Firm, uh, that um, he has drawn up motions and drafted so many documents asking for. All the government, uh, state government, and law enforcement agencies, uh, the coroner, the funeral homes. Uh, he's asked for, you know, we've just asked for so much information, and we've gotten some of it, and some of it uh, we haven't. Uh, you know, we we asked for um, the county commissioners to have a meeting with us months and months back, and. Uh, they said yes. We'll uh, we'll go ahead and set it up. However, you're going to have to um, you're going to have to be with our county attorneys when that meeting takes place. And I said that's not a problem. We'll be glad to address everything we have with them as well. And uh, the phone call never existed. They never got back to us. And uh, the school board was the same way. We've asked for uh, meetings with the school officials. And uh, that we wanted them to be present so that we could address our issues and find out exactly what was going on in the school. And to this minute, we've never had that meeting as well. They've never gotten back to us. Well, the question I have, and maybe you can answer this, Fred, is that, you know, despite Michael J. Moore's being able to, you know, convince you that he's a, you know, he's dedicated to finding out the truth yeah, in this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, is this going to lead to a, a murder indictment? That's. It, it, does he have the the power first, or what are the stages that that can go that that this can be a possibility? Because that's what we're looking for is to find out who murdered Kendrick Johnson, and if he, if you're saying the, Jura, the Georgia Bureau of investigation is not going to help out. And and the other question I wanted to ask, and sorry for the convoluted question, was what's the significance of the organs in both of your minds? Is there any significance significance at all to those missing organs? Well, let, let me answer the, the the first question, which is the the first question is that that you asked was what can Mr. Moore do? Can Mr. Moore bring a charge of murder? Absolutely. If he if if it falls under uh, the, the aegis of the federal government, if he can show that that Kendrick Johnson was denied his civil rights uh, by being murdered by the five individuals that Bo Webster has already identified, uh, the answer is yes. Period. The answer is yes. Now, uh, uh, in terms of the, in terms of the organs, I think that um, that the the organs being missing. That would not have been an uncommon thing ten years ago, in, especially in, in some some more remote venues in the United States. What you got to do is look at it from this point of view: organs are org, organs of a person who you think has been killed are evidence. Boom. Okay. Put it yeah. together. The organs are missing. The mat is missing. The clothing is missing. The surveillance video is missing. Somebody, somebody's, somebody's are hiding something. And one of the great things that you have done, Dan, is a result of our last conversation about this back in June, 
uh, an individual heard this in Georgia, uh, and he came forward as a source, and I've nicknamed him the Falcon after the Marvel comic books character because I'm a comic mm. book geek. And he has helped me understand what it's like to be African-American in Georgia and specifically in Valdosta. And he has really helped me to understand what's going on there. And this is the kind of stuff that I haven't written about yet because in writing for Ebony.com, I'm doing more of the new stuff. But when I do the book on this, and and, uh, and and then I'll be able to really get into this because to me this is what's really interesting, which is the the um, the the fears that people put up with, the 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 barriers between the races, and and what you know what people believe, and it's amazing, Dan, with everything that we have talked about, I've t- here tonight. I've talked to, to uh, Caucasians in, uh, in Valdosta who want to maintain that Kendrick died from positional asphyxiation, which is about the same as saying that uh, the Starship Enterprise exists. You know, I, I mean, I'd like to yeah. believe it does, but it doesn't. I'm sorry, not yet. You know, maybe in a couple of centuries. You know, I'm, you know my apologies to Bill Shatner, but, you know, the, the, uh-huh. it's just... You know, so, um, but so, so to answer your question, uh, you know, I, I've been in a long way around. Mr. Moore can absolutely bring murder charges, and yeah. again, Bo is being being very. Uh, uh, he's much more circumspect than I am, and and uh, but the fact is, Bo has identified the suspects. Okay, well, he's identified, and and, this, and Mr. Moore is using Bo's information to now go. And you, you know, the FBI is using this stuff as leads, and and they're in Valdosta. And I'll t- and if I was uh, those bad guys, and I was listening right now, um, I, I would say that um, you know one of you better come forward and make a deal real quick, uh, and and because otherwise uh, they're gonna throw the book at you. So maybe it is a good thing that. In some ways, if you could say that that there are federal prosecutors looking at this case, because there was really obviously a concerted effort for this case to go away. That that looks pretty obvious. Absolutely. So you'd hate to have those same authorities uh, maybe charge the wrong person or admit that there there may have been foul play, but then again do a shoddy investigation. So maybe. In the end, it'll, it'll be good that federal prosecutors look at this because it looks like a big story. It looks like a uh, – that's what I realized when I first looked at this, that this, instinctively there's so much going on with this, not only cover-up, but there's – it's a very, very incredible story. I think it's it going to make is, it. It is, and uh, um, you know, I guess it's been going on for a number of years in, in that town and in that county. Uh there's a lot of cases where, uh, you know, people are just, they're scared to death and uh, they don't know where to turn. They don't know who to talk to. Uh, it it took a long time to uh, get any kind of faith build up in these people, you know, so that they would talk to you. And, and you know, uh, so many of the kids are juveniles, so uh, you have to have the parents present uh, when you talk to them. And uh, the parents are even trying to get the uh you know, the children, the students to uh, partake and, and uh, give you, you know, quality information. And it's hard to do when you uh, when you first start out because uh, of, the, you know, the threats and, and people, uh, they're, they're just, they're afraid to talk. They have, um, they have nothing to say. And um, we finally gained enough trust in these people that they have come forth and, uh now we just have to uh, put it in the uh, the hands of of the uh, Department of Justice, and I honestly do believe that uh, you know the right person is there to uh, to lead this attack, and that being Mr. Moore. 
Now, the family has been instrumental in having this case uh, stay open, stay alive, stay in the public eye. Uh, what is the family's – are they feeling optimistic at this point based on – Um, Fred, I don't know if you want to answer that or not. Or well, I, I, yeah, uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that the family is is they've been used to being lied to. At least that's the way that they feel. Um, I haven't spoken to them lately, uh, but the, I don't think optimism, though, is is would be the correct term. No, I don't think that they're optimistic. I think more like they're realistic about what can and can't be done. It, 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 there is now a concerted public relations campaign since Mr. Crump came on board. The fam, there's also um, a, a public relations person that's been hired who work out of Atlanta, and so very you know periodically. Um, they're releasing information. I, I can also tell you that um, CNN is CNN has been on this from the beginning, but um, I'm actually and Bo is at. We're working with NBC, and they've been on this actually since way before CNN. But. We're, we're we're building it. You know what I mean. We're not going out there and saying, you know, X, Y, Z, and D. You know, just for the sake of saying something. We're, we're building this thing, and we're continuing to investigate. So while Mr. Moore is doing his investigation, we're not stopping. We are not stopping. We are involved actively in investigating this this case and in actively investigating the suspects. Right. I mean, even though, uh, yeah, even though this has um, gone this far, I mean, on a daily basis, I am still uh, doing uh, investigation work on this case and uh, will continue to do that until uh, everything is solved and uh, the suspects, uh, you know, receive justice for uh, what they've done. And it will happen. It, it is going to happen. This is not going away. They will not be able to kick this under the rug as they, as the authorities have tried to do, the state authorities. This is not, it's not going to happen, not now, not in the glare of international publicity. It's going to go forward, and they will, eventually, there will be a murder indictment. And I, I think it's going to be sooner rather than later. What I'm most interested in in reading your book, Fred, and and again, I congratulate you guys beforehand for this because I'm just fascinated by this story, and I'm sure uh, many, many, many people will as well, is there's a murder investigation. I'm very curious to see the circumstances of why this young man was killed, but I'm also even more intrigued by why if the cover-up could go all the way to the Georgia Bureau of Investigation that could include all these people. So there's certainly two really very fascinating stories, but I think the most interesting to me is the cover-up, really. It, uh, it, it really is. And, uh, you know, I've told uh, a lot of people that uh, this, is, um, this is a case where uh, – it's unbelievable how much the white community is behind this, and uh, people would not understand it unless they actually, uh, you know, talk to the white community. But there's so many people out there, thousands and thousands. I mean, it just goes on and on of how much support there is um, from the white community wanting justice and just thinks that, you know, that this uh, this crime that was done to this 17-year-old is uh, is uncalled for, and there's a lot of support out there. And uh, you know, if anyone that's uh, listening to uh, this radio talk show tonight, uh, if anyone has any information that uh, they can pass on, you know, we would greatly appreciate it because. Uh, you know, it comes down to would you want, I mean, we all have children, and we love them very much. Um, 
Would you want your child going to uh, school on a daily basis with a murderer or murderers that uh, is responsible for committing uh, such a heinous crime? I know I wouldn't, and I would put my foot down, and, uh, I, you know, I just hope that uh, someone, you know, will come forward, and uh, we are getting a lot of great, valuable information from people that uh, we're in contact with on a daily basis, and uh, we just hope that it continues, and, uh, I, you know, I want to thank you for uh, this airtime because it certainly does help. I know that uh, when we had our first uh, one-hour talk show back in June. Uh, we got uh, phone calls from all over, and uh, it's just great to know that there's uh, a, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of attention to it, and people are interested, and uh, they want to do the right thing, and, you know, I, I thank you very much. Well, I, I again, I want to thank you guys. It's, uh, I'm I appreciate even being involved in this case in any way at all because I was just outraged at the case, just looking at it very, very simply and, and again, trying to be objective and, and think, well, maybe maybe I'm just being emotional, but uh, instinctively I knew that there was something definitely with this. And so I'm glad that this case has caught the attention of the public and, more importantly, caught the attention of federal prosecutors and uh, the second autopsy and some of the things that have gone on have been encouraging to me. And so uh, I, I really uh, appreciate what you guys have done as well, and I'm really looking forward to uh, further developments in this story. Now, I just wanted to mention, too, we talk about people contacting uh, yourself or myself, and there was somebody just on the phone, and normally I do not have that as part of the feature of the program, but if somebody were to want to contact uh, either Fred Rosen, Bo Webster, or myself. Um, you could contact me through Blog Talk Radio, and uh, then I would pass on that message. So there was somebody just waiting in the queue, and so I wanted to mention that you just never know who is calling and what kind of information they may have. So, so gentlemen, well, we're almost uh, wrapping up here. We've got a couple more minutes, and um, sure. So. You were saying that uh, you're still pursuing every kind of uh, all all the leads and in the investigation where it has pointed you. So you're still furthering that. Uh, what is the next? Uh, I guess what is the next thing that you are going to be doing? I guess in the very very near future regarding this case. Bo. Um, well, I plan on uh, I plan on being um, in Valdosta. Uh, you know, soon, and uh, there's uh, there's several people that uh, I have that I want to make contact with, and uh, I feel that it's going to be a uh, an imp very important part of the case, and I plan on uh, doing that in the very near future, and uh, still having contact with uh, Mr. Moore maybe uh, once or a couple times a week, uh, giving more information because, like I say, we. We have um, interested parties out there that we're in touch with uh, every day, and uh, as we gather more information, we're um, comprising everything, and uh, all this information, again, will be turned over to uh, the federal government, and um, they, can, uh, they can take all this uh, material and, you know, do what they need to do. Uh, but I, I really feel optimistic about it, and I think it's uh, starting to move at a uh, at a quick pace. And again, um, you know, I just want to thank you for uh, for the airtime because uh, it does help, and uh, I appreciate your concerns and um, hope to have uh, a lot of good information here in the very near future. Well, you're very welcome. And and as for me, I'll be continuing to report on the case for Ebony.com. And uh, and then at, simultaneously, I um, I plan to uh, begin writing the book on the case, where I can really start getting into uh, some some of the issues that we've discussed tonight that don't fit in as readily to uh, daily journalism. And um, yeah, I I too would like to thank you very much, Dan, because you've been instrumental in helping to push this along 
and get justice for uh, this young man and for his family. Well, I can say uh, very welcome, and I hope the very best from this program uh, tonight and just from the ongoing investigation that you gentlemen have, have done, and I wish the best for everybody. It's just it seems like a, a growing movement of awareness um, that I'm seeing out on, on the web, and uh, I think that with everybody's concerted effort, the family, uh, the, the attorneys, uh, the investigators, the uh, Fred Rosen and, and, and excellent true crime writing, Ebony Magazine, and all the uh, articles that are appearing on, on, the, on the web just in the last little while, especially with the information with the surveillance uh, video being posted. People love video, so uh, I, I mean, uh, I really think that this case is uh, going to gain national uh, attention as it so deserve it, uh, deservedly does. And I think that um, we'll be looking forward to not, not a happy ending, but at least justice being done. And, and I think people can pat themselves on the back when that happens by caring and uh, sharing the information and, uh, and, and demanding justice for this young man. Kendricks Johnson. So I want to thank you gentlemen both this evening and I wish you the very best and hope to hear from you very, very soon with some real good news concerning the Kendrick Johnson uh, murder case. Thank you gentlemen. Dan, thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you, Dan. Take care, Dan. Thank you. Good, good night. Good night. Good night.